As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Tennis, swimming, lacrosse, whatever you need me to play, I'm going to go do it. If there's some money on the line, I'm going to go do it. Do you like it? you think Cleveland's cool? I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell going to oh, freeze Wait, on. Not a game. Not, a, not, a, not the game that I go out there and, and die for. All right, we're talking Los Angeles Lakers now, previewing uh, the LA Lakers, who actually have uh, a game tonight. They do. Very excited to welcome uh, Anthony Irwin, the star of the Anthony Irwin Show, SB Nation Silver Screen Roll. Anthony, how you doing? I'm doing great. I just found out I'm a star, so that's that's fantastic. Star <laughs> point guard, You're a star. Star <laughs> <laughs> point guard, star PG Silver Screen Road. That's you. I'm gonna tell my wife like right now. Like, hey, guess, <laughs> change, guess change how I was just introduced. Yeah. <laughs> so how you doing, Anthony? We got obviously Lakers starting out their season tonight. Uh, man, what's what are you looking forward to most? What, what what are we preparing for for this season? Dread, you know, um, <laughs> I, I think I, I think it's it's no matter what, no matter the outcome of this upcoming season, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fascinating. There's a lot at play. You know, uh, Jeannie Buss is being. I think pushed and and pressured in in more ways than she has ever had to deal with. She okay. has kind of lived a pretty. I'm mean, clearly she's lived a pretty blessed life uh, being a, a bus sibling. But but in even even in in those terms, uh, the fact that Jim was the fail son that he was for so long right. allowed her to look better than I think uh, she might she might actually be. And mm. what she's finding out is that accountability is is really difficult to deal with. The Lakers Lakers fans don't have very much patience for anybody and uh they're they're really being pushed last season was incredibly frustrating and that core is back russell westbrook is back and you know if they don't they have a really tough open opening to the season so if 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 things don't start well if they start you know one and six or one and five oh and six or whatever given their first six matchups things are gonna get really loud and really interesting really quickly oh boy oh man See, there, there we go. We got the drama starting before they even tip off. <laughs> so, you know, obviously, the Lakers didn't win a ton last year. But um, what's some of your, like, your takeaways? Even – and they didn't win a lot in preseason either. So, like, what's some of your general takeaways from what you saw specifically, like, in training camp, in preseason? So, it's interesting. Their record, obviously, going one and five or whatever they went in in preseason, obviously not ideal. I think there's something like one and 13 over their last couple preseasons. They're just, you know, the preseason is not a time to watch basketball and care about wins and losses in general. Um, But you do want to win a little more often than that. And uh, I, I even with that said, the Lakers when they played their main rotation players, right. When LeBron was out there, when AD was out there, even Russ, who I thought looked pretty good um, for most of the games throughout preseason. 
um, when Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Dunn and, and the guys who were going to be playing the majority of their minutes were actually out there, the Lakers pretty consistently looked like the better team um, than the team that they were facing off against. And then they brought in, you know, guys at the end of the bench and those guys, the Lakers aren't a deep roster. So those guys were getting run off of the court by actual NBA players. And, and it was over, but you, those, those second halves were just ugly. And, you know, they got booed at one point in the, the opening night of, of preseason. They actually got booed off the floor. Preseason. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it, it really speaks to, again, Lakers fans just not having any, any give a bleep this year about like, yeah, well, it's going to be a process. No, you have LeBron and AD. There's no process stuff here. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, so I, it's, it's interesting. There were some things to like, but they finished the preseason with two straight blowouts and Anthony Davis missed one of those games so there's also room for concern. Two of the most haunting words for Lakers fans this year. Russell, don't Westbrook. be doing that. Don't be doing <laughs> is, that. Uh, <laughs> in your opinion, is he is he the problem or do we still is there still hope at all? So I would say that his contract is the problem. Russell right. Westbrook, the player, is whatever like when he it's going to be interesting to see especially if he if he comes off of the bench a lot of teams around the league are really paying close attention to his commitment level to coming off of the bench for the lakers because he's coming off of the bench almost no matter what if after he gets traded and bought bought out right uh, especially if he goes to a team with playoff ambitions so there there's a lot of people watching that really closely and you know i think to his credit for the most part he has handled this about as well as you possibly can being in trade rumors consist constantly being kind of scapegoated for the way that last year went. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all that said, there just isn't anything the Lakers can do to address some serious gaping holes in their roster without trading Russell Westbrook, without moving that $47 million contract and splitting it up into a few more players, a few more, you know, movable contracts. Uh, that's, you know, it, 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 that's really all it boils down to. The Lakers have 37 combo guards, uh, and and at some point they're going to have to like they're going to have to spread their talent across more positions than it currently is, and he's the only way they can do that. He said 37 combo a lot. guards. Yeah. <laughs> so they have a new coach. He's from my hometown, Saginaw, Michigan. Saginaw Pride. Stand up. There you go. But how confident are you in Darvin Ham? is that he's the answer for this Laker roster and will it be enough? And will he be enough to get them the championship aspirations? I don't know if I would go so far as saying answer. Cause I don't think this roster has an answer. I don't think like, this is, this is a very difficult, like they, they're going to start tonight. They're probably going to start three guards right from the get-go. Usually three guard, three point guard lineups are what you th- throw in to speed up the game, mix it up a little bit. Right. Um, they're the they're the cayenne pepper to to really get things going. Usually those lineups spice things up, but then you still want to go back and you you got to drink some water <laughs> if you if you have enough of that cayenne in there. Cinnamon and, challenge. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and and they don't have water. They don't have <laughs> they they don't have any they don't have any other real options here. So uh, Darwin is going to try. I have been really impressed with some of his system stuff, his concepts on offense. It's very modern offense, especially compared to Frank Vogel's like 1995 offense Thank that they you. ran last year. <laughs> um, but but still, you know, and and also like the way that he's handled the situation with Russ is, is answering questions and and doing whatever he can to to make this thing seem like it's a fixable thing. It's just I just don't think it's very fixable. 
we know LeBron is going to be load managed for a good portion of the season. And at this point, it seems like Anthony Davis is going to probably uh, be missing some games here and there. We call him Anthony (laughs) Davis, Davis. unfortunately for him. We we know at least during the regular season and, and where LeBron is is his career. He, he's not really putting too much effort into the regular season, at least specifically to start the season. And then once the playoffs start coming around, he'll he'll start becoming normal LeBron. But is there any concern health wise with with LeBron and AD as we get start getting towards the spring and, and playoff time? This is crazy to say this, but the forty year old isn't the one I'm nervous about. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's just insane that I'm like, yeah, like this this cyborg who just keeps, you know, Father Time is undefeated to this point, but he's taken some L's to LeBron and Tom Brady for that matter. But but like yeah. he's 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 really being given everything he can get against LeBron, um, Anthony Davis. So there are two injuries that always make me nervous with with bigs, especially their feet and their back, because once those things it, it, like a knee, you can tweak. Obviously, right. hand and upper body stuff like that doesn't matter as much. But if it's your feet, that's your body's foundation. And if it's your back, your core allows everything else to to situate itself. And he was held out of, I think, two or three games here in the preseason. Um, and they said it was precautionary. And they said that he would have gone if it was a more important game. Um, but but still, if he's having back tightness in preseason, it's not like a set, an 82-game season is now easier on your back than preseason and training camp, right? So, right. yeah, I am nervous about Anthony Davis's back. The Lakers are nervous about Anthony Davis's back. Like, if you, if you, it, with people that I talk to, uh, the Lakers are essentially going about the first 15, 20 games as a test for LeBron and Anthony Davis specifically. Because if they can get through that and they look like LeBron and Anthony Davis, then the Lakers are going to be more open to committing to this team and trying to move Russell Westbrook in those two first-round picks to get some win-now help. But if LeBron and Davis are dinged up right from the get-go of the season, why commit to to, to winning now if, like, they aren't doing anything if those guys are hurt, right? So right. they aren't going to commit to a team that can't win anything, and you can't win anything if Anthony Davis is, is, is in and out of the lineup. So, yeah, I'm nervous about him. The Lakers are nervous about him. He seems nervous about it, which is kind of interesting uh, to me, <laughs> that he's, like, he's going out there and I want to play 82, and this is a big season for me, and, and all of these things. My legacy is on the line. He's doing kind of a, a profile tour right now with with the local media, and it really says something to uh, to 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 the extent that yeah, this guy's aware of it. The Lakers are aware of it. We're all aware of it. It's impossible not to be. And this is this is kind of a related question, but can the Lakers' defense be saved? Last season, it was not great to say the least. Is yeah. and it relies a lot on Anthony Davis being available and and LeBron to an extent too. Is is his defense salvageable? Are we going to see a better defense this year? Well, I mentioned the the 37 combo guards. Combo guards are like the least impactful players on defense, right? Yeah. And it's a very small roster. It is going to put a lot of pressure on LeBron and AD to clean a bunch of stuff up. I've been pretty disappointed by what I from what I've seen from uh Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones. Uh so and those guys are supposed to anchor the defense if and when AD or LeBron isn't out there, right? So okay. uh, the, the defense makes me a little... They don't have any wing defenders. Like, wing... Is who, a who, dominant <laughs> position in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, it's only yeah. where all of the best players play. Kawhi, <laughs> you know, AD, dominant Giannis. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Lakers are going to... They're trying to tell everybody that Patrick Beverly is a 3 and D wing. He's six foot. 
He's a small six foot. And like th- yeah. that guy's going to go out and defend Paul George and, Ka- and or Kawhi. Like that's just uh, so I, I think they're going to do whatever they can to try to make this work. But again, they're just kind of limited by by the way that this roster is put together. OK, now we got to rewind real quick before we get to this question. Now, Anthony Davis, he was the man in the bubble, you know, when they won the championship. But then Incredible. afterwards, we watched Giannis go out there, win a championship. We watched Nikola Jokic, your doy boy, your doy friend. Love him. <laughs> go out there and win not only one MVP, but two. And Giannis won MVP as well. So biggest question here for Anthony Davis. Can he prove to people or will he be able to prove to people that he deserves to be in those same conversations as a Giannis, as a Nikola Jokic in terms of where they rank for the position and do you believe that he needs to redeem himself just for his, like he said, his legacy sake, so that people don't feel like he's been forgotten in terms of those those position players? In terms of just talent, I think Anthony Davis has an argument to be considered the most talented basketball player in the NBA, right? Mm. A seven-foot dude who can jump out of the gym, who can defend all, you know, who can defend out on switches and pick and roll, who is incredible, you know, as the last line of your defense, great finisher of the basketball, good touch in the mid-range when when he isn't, like I think last year was an outlier, really poor shooting season for him, just like I think the bubble was an outlier, great shooting stretch for him. (laughs) Um, So he's somewhere in the middle between those two things. If he's right and if he's committed to playing a modern version of, of, of the center position where he seems to think he's Hakeem Olajuwon. Like, I don't know if you guys watched Seinfeld growing up, right? But a little bit. There's the there's the scene uh, when he goes to the rental car place and the lady says, I, I, I'm sorry, sir, we lost your reservation. And he goes, well, any the, keeping the reservation is the most important part of that equation, right? Anybody can take reservations. I'll teach. Do you want a reservation? It's a matter <laughs> of keeping the reservation is what matters here. And like Anthony Davis looks incredible shooting some of these shots. They look unblockable. Anybody can take mid range jumpers. Anybody can get isolation opportunities, but it's about making those shots and taking advantage of those, of, of the advantages that you have physically. And you know, I if if he's right, yeah, I, I completely believe that he should be in that conversation with Giannis and Jokic and those guys. But he just hasn't shown an interest in being that kind of dominant player in the regular season. And we haven't seen the Lakers enough in the postseason for him to make that case when it all matters more. Final question for mm. you. Uh, this is the bold prediction hot take portion of the uh, of the interview Questions as we for you. finish it off. What uh it could be anything. It'd be player awards, where they finish, trades, whatever it is for the Lakers this season. Do you have a, a bold prediction of something that maybe you expect to happen? Maybe you think it happen. Uh, might not, but you you think there's a chance. Give us some hot. Man, uh, <laughs> my hottest take that I kind of sort of believe. You know what? We'll get, we'll get a little funky. I think that over the course of the season, you're going to start to see more rumblings and whispers about the other bus siblings wanting to sell the Lakers. I think what? that's going, I think that's going to be, you know, something that you, you start to hear about because clearly Jim was a failure when he took over for, for Jerry bus genie has won a championship to her credit, but you know, her reliance on, on Curtin Linda Ramis continues to, you know, befuddle Ooh. people, Rob Palinka getting, getting an extension after last season is, you know, really pissed off the Lakers fans. 
So I yeah. think if if things really get loud here, and given how much these franchises are going for on the open market, Lakers could sell for six or seven billion dollars easily, right? If they if they go out there and there's legit competition for buying the Lakers, uh, which there would be, the the Suns are going to go for four billion, I think. And, and so if the if the Lakers, you know, and and the bus siblings say, wait, we can all clear a billion each if we sell these guys. That's something that that, you know, I you're, you're my hot take that it, I'm like 95 percent sure probably won't happen. That five percent, there's a there's a loud five percent there that makes me wonder when are we going to start to see a change in that in that narrative? That's crazy. I did not didn't think you were going to go. On you asked for hot. Man. Like, that's <laughs> hot. I love it. That's what we want. We want the we no, want the heat. That's true. That's, yeah. true. that's true. You yeah, you for sure came blazing. <laughs> love it. Anthony, tell the people, please, where they can find your work, sir. At Silver Screen and Roll. Silverscreenroll.com is where all of the content goes up. You can follow us on Twitter at Lakers SBN. Uh, I can be followed on Twitter at Anthony Irwin LA. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on nice. all of that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, Silver Screen and Roll is 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 the hub, the headquarters. Um, and and we just uh, announced Sabrina Merchant is the editor in chief of oh. Silver Screen and Roll today. So shouts to Sabrina. You're going to kill it in this role. I uh, can't wait to get to the season. Awesome. Oh yeah, it starts this week. I am super excited. And I'm thinking, listen, I'm going to tell you something real fast. I'm thinking AD MVP, Anthony. I'm oh, MVP. I'm, okay. thinking LA, I'm thinking the Lakers winning the ship. I said it on the podcast yesterday. <laughs> Lakers winning the ship. Brian, he going to be finals MVP. Anthony Davis, regular season MVP. You got to bring the energy and bring the noise like that. I'm just talking. You know, that's how yeah. I feel. That's what I want to happen for LeBron's so. sake, for AD's sake. <laughs> I hope you're right. Every time I criticize the Lakers, I it, it's with the disclaimer. I'm I hope I'm wrong, and the Lakers <laughs> prove me wrong. Just to this point, I've been right more often than, than not. <laughs> All right, Anthony, thank you so much for joining the podcast, man. We appreciate you. Have a good one, guys. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California. And starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We are back again with another team preview. It's not really a preview anymore because we are right in the NBA season. And we wanted to go all the way down to Baton Rouge area, Louisiana, you know, New Orleans. We had to touch those neck of the woods and find someone who's covering the New Orleans Pelicans. So we had to go and find a man of many hats, many, many hats. He's covering the Pelicans for the Pelican Scoop. He's in the baseball area as well, covering baseball for MLBbro.com. He also has the podcast going, covering the um, New Orleans Pelicans. So we want to bring on good buddy, David Grubb, man, we appreciate you coming on the Points in the Pain podcast. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here with you guys. And, you know, this exciting year. Yes, it for is. us down here in the boot. <laughs> so just to get right to it, right, let's just jump right into it, because this is going to be an exciting team this year. Real exciting. A lot of high, I wouldn't say high expectations, but somewhere, what, middle of the pack being? I got high expectations. There are 
there are folks out there with some stratospheric expectations for this team. (laughs) I don't know if I go that high, but I mean, I'm just saying there are people, you got people who are calling like, and I'm not, I'm talking about national pundits who have said that, you know, they, they talk about this team as a potential top four team in the West or, and some people call them dark house, dark horse final. Cause I'm not willing to go that far, but we'll get into that. (laughs) So just in general, as the season gets underway this week, what were some of your takeaways really from, you know, preseason and like training camp? What were some of the things that you took away from that? Well, I think it's always hard when you look at what you see on court during preseason as far as like execution or if you break down, you know, team numbers for the course of the game because you're, right. you're seeing lineups that you're not going to see in the regular season. You're seeing players that are not even going to be in the NBA um, by the time the season starts in a lot of cases. And the Pelicans played pre- predominantly without Brandon Ingram throughout the entire uh, preseason. He, only, he, he was only back for the final game, and that's the one Zion set out. So the Pelicans have not had their big three on the court in the preseason at all. Um, so there are some things you just, you know, you, you understand that, that there's going to be time for this team that's going to be required for it to mesh because, you know, you look up and down this roster, there's literally one player in Brandon Ingram who has spent significant court time with Zion Williamson. The rest of this roster... Um, a couple of guys, you know, Jackson Hayes was around um, when Zion was was here uh, and played his, his most games, as was um, <clears throat> Najee Marshall. But those guys didn't spend a lot of time on court with him. So I think that that's the biggest thing is is you, you worry about just how long it's going to take for them to, to, to hit the ground running uh, with this group because they just haven't played together. But I think the thing you did see in the preseason that is really exciting is number one, this is as a, as an athletic team as there is in the NBA. If they're in the open floor, how many people can I'm run talking. with this group? <laughs> you know, we're talking about, look, Herb Jones yeah. is, a, is a greyhound. Trey Murphy is a greyhound. Dyson Daniels, the rookie, greyhound. Like, these are guys who all can, who are 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 who can get out on the floor. Najee Marshall will run. Brandon Ingram, you know, that length, his Zion, Zion, you know, we don't have to say much. The, the slowest dude on the team is CJ McCollum. You know what I'm saying? That's, <laughs> and, and Yotas Valanciunas. So if that's, you know, Jose Alvarado is a blur. When Kyra Lewis Jr. is healthy, he's going to be a blur. There's nobody who's slow on this team. So you saw that speed throughout the preseason, and you saw these guys defensively, how good the young guys are. And there is a significant gap in my mind. And I think that's the biggest thing for the Pelicans is how quickly do you close the gap when your four best defenders are your four youngest, like four of your youngest players, Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado. Those are the Pelicans four best defenders and only Herb is the starter. It's kind of crazy how, how athletic and fast this team can be. And you mentioned it, that they are fast and they are athletic. And when I hear that, you know, I picture Zion Williamson, but then I picture injury issues with Zion because he does have a history of that. Is there mm-hmm. going to be any type of load management at all for Zion? Is he he's changed up his training? He obviously looks a lot better than he has in the past. What what's what's the talk around Zion in terms of keeping him healthy? You know, I think there there's always going to be some type of load management, and, and we're seeing certain players around league. Whether we're talking about um, you know, if we're with the Clippers, you could be, there's going to be load managers for guys like Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard all year long. Um, Joel Embiid's been on load management since he started playing in the NBA. So, (laughs) I mean, I think the the general consensus amongst, you know, folks around here is that 
if you get 70 games a season out of Zion Williamson going forward, that's what you'll take. That's Say course. 70. Give me, yeah. give me 70 games. And there may be some back-to-backs that you hold him out of. But the good thing about this team is, um, is that they have enough depth. That This is really a team that has 13 players on the roster that they can put out on any night. That allows you not to have to play Zion, for, unfortunately, for like 38, 42, 44 minutes a night. Right. You have two legitimate all-star level scorers in Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum who can carry you on nights that Zion isn't around if he's taking a rest day. And you have guys that don't put the burden on him. Now, there are things Zion has to do better, and there are concerns because all of his injuries have been on the same side of his body going back to high school. You know what I mean? Like he's missed time going back to his, I think, sophomore year in high school. Um, so if that's the case, that that to me is always a worry. And I worry about any basketball player when their injuries are ankles, feet, and knees. Yes. <laughs> because those rarely get better over time, particularly feet. And big men with their feet, in, with foot injuries, you know, that that is always going to be a concern for me. So I'm going to be, you know, really paying attention. And I think for Zion, it's how off, how do you utilize your explosiveness? You know, you can finish through contact without having to use all of your, your burst. You, and I think he's going to have to learn a little more angles. I said, you know, to me, if anybody, if he should be watching film on somebody who would be really good for him, guys like Al Jefferson, mm. you know, guys like, um, this is one player who I think is a throwback and I, I Bonzi Wells. That Portland Trailblazer. Yes, it is. That's Portland Trailblazer. Bonzi <laughs> Wills, his low post game at 6'5. Wow. You watched how he was able to score around guys who were much bigger. Bonzi was a tremendous athlete. But I think Zion has those guard type skills. So I think those are kind of players that I, if he if he utilizes more, um, you know, it's 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 about keeping him and 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 maximizing his steps rather than having him just constantly moving. So I want to talk about the Pelicans from a defensive standpoint. They were in the middle of the pack defensively last year. Is there any way they can crack that top 10 moving forward? You talked about those young guys. That's the biggest concern for me. Um, you know, last year they finished 19th in defensive rating. And that was after a really big surge over the final 20 games or so of the season where they started to play better defensively. But like I said, you, you take that starting five, CJ is a, a willing defender, but you would never call him an elite on-ball defender. Um, Brandon Ingram has been okay as a defender. He was better in Los Angeles with the Lakers. So I'm, what I'm hoping is now that Brandon has a security in his role offensively and understands who he is at that level and has that confidence, he starts to expand. Because if you're going to be a truly great player in this league, you have to be a two-way player. If you want to be an MVP candidate, you want to be a champion, you better have some two-way skills. And so I think Brandon is going to be the guy that has to step up. Herb, Herb Jones could be a first-team All-NBA player for 10 years. You know, he's that wow. good. Yeah. Um, but then Zion was not a good defender in the NBA previously. He, I, I, he did not show good instincts in space. He is undersized at his position. He's not a shot blocker or a tremendous rebounder. Jonas Valanciunas, we saw him get played off the court at times against Phoenix. Jackson Hayes was not a great – is not a great uh, post defender. Billy Hernan Gomez is also another guy who's can effective offensively, but not a great defender. So the, you know, I worry about their rim protection um, and the Pelicans have always had a problem with giving up points in the paint over the last couple of years in particular and defending the three. 
but I think they'll be able to defend the three much better this year because of their length and their ability to rotate. But I do worry about those starters defensively and how often they play together. And I think Willie Green is going to have to be very creative with his combinations to ensure you have at least two plus defenders on the court at all times. Now, this isn't necessarily a, a bad problem to have. And you talked about all these, all these star names. Who's closing games for the Pelicans? You got Brandon Ingram. You got CJ McCollum. Is it going to be kind of by committee and whoever has a hot hand in the night? Or do you think someone's really going to take charge and, and that's going to be the guy they go to every time they need a closer? Well, I think the closers are either Zion or B.I. Uh, and we saw B.I. show you he could close in the playoffs. Uh, until he hurt his finger, uh, he was the best player in the Phoenix Suns uh, Pelican series. And, you know, he's expanded his offensive game to the point where uh, he can get to anywhere in two dribbles and pull up and he can finish with either hand. Mm-hmm. He's gotten thicker, which was huge for him, which means he can finish through contact now, which two years ago, B, I was getting sent into the Ooh, second wait. row. Um, <laughs> so I think that that's huge. And of course, Zion, what he does is he gives he eats up fouls. So at the end of a game, I think, you know, he, he's been still been inconsistent with his free throws at times, but he's going to get guys in foul trouble and get you into the bonus early. Again, I think those two plus defenders, you're going to see Herb Jones ain't leaving the floor in the fourth quarter. Herb Jones ain't leaving the floor. And I think Trey Murphy is likely to be that other guy because Trey at now a legitimate 6'10 and also as a floor spacer and had the highest plus minus again in the playoffs for these guys was the best player in the two uh, play-in games for the Pelicans against the Spurs and the Lakers. He has that link to defend multiple positions. And I think that's your balance. You put your veterans out there who you know you can run things through. Trey and Herb can both play off ball and they both knock down, you know, Trey will knock down shots. He could end up, I think Trey could end up leading the NBA in three-point percentage this year. He's that good. Wow. He's that good. I, I mean, like, I and I'm not a hyperbole person. Like, people know me that when I talk about this team in particular. But I, as far as Herb and Trey go, they're two of the most impressive young players um, in the NBA to me. Is that, is that something that they would build the, like an offense around at points? Is, is allowing him to hit those three-point shots when you have those many players uh, that can score? He's going, look, he's going to have his moments. I okay. assure you that there will be, that there are sets run that they're running for Trey. Because when you've got a guy now who is showing off 30-foot range in the preseason and has that physicality, the corner three was the Pelicans' worst shot last season. The corner three, which is the easiest shot in the NBA, NBA right? Yeah, yeah. Just to give them, give me three. Trey is going to kill a lot of those, man. You come, just, just think about it this year. The Pelicans want to play really quickly with their passing, very similar to what the Golden State Warriors do. That .5 mentality, that's what Willie Green learned while he was in Golden State. Yeah. He wants tempo with passing. I think the Pelicans are going to be like one of these teams that leads the league in like hockey assists. Because you throw it into B.I., the defense has to react to B.I. B.I. can kick it to, to Zion. People have to react to Zion. C.J. can force people off pick and roll. And because he can, a shooter, he can draw gravity. So those guys alone, when they're on the court, even if there's just two of them on the court at a time, they create so many mismatches because defenses have to react. And I think that you're going to see a lot of open shots. It's going to be up to the Pelicans to make it. Now you you would know this a lot more than me since you follow this team much more closely. But what 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 are the egos like on the Pelicans? Because someone from the outside, it seems like you know they have a lot of grinders, a lot of defensive oriented players. They have 
some star players, but they're not seemingly always in the news. They're not super hot-headed. I know Zion has sometimes had some issues in the past, but it seems like everything's kind of under the under the bridge at this point. It, this to me, it seems like egos really aren't playing a huge part for the Pelicans, at least this year, which I would imagine is a good thing. Yeah, I, I think this is the first time since I've covered the team, and this is going on now nine years for me. So um, this is the first time that I felt like everything in the organization is in alignment. You have from the head coach to the front office, to the players, to the, to the, the team staff, like everything you feel comfortable generally because there's a level of security for everybody. Financially, everybody's taken care of except for Jackson Hayes, who's, who's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this year. And Jackson deserves to not be secure. Um, but the, everybody's financially cool. You have a bunch of guys who are around the same age, which is a good and a bad thing because yeah. the good thing is that they're from, they feel familiar with each other. They, they, but a lot of these guys were overlooked too. You know, Trey Murphy was overlooked. Herb Jones, SEC player of the year, drafted in the second round, overlooked. Jose Alvarado at, from Georgia Tech, overlooked. All these guys were all conference players, a little bit older. So they have a similar mindset. The stars, what the Pelicans have done really well, I think, is that you set it up to where you have complementary pieces, nice. you know, around your big three. And you have also set yourself up for that, You've staggered things, which in the NBA is so important because windows are so tight. CJ uh, McCollum will be on the end of his prime. He's entering the back end at 32. Brandon Ingram is entering into his main prime at 26. Zion Williamson, Williamson we think he is in the beginning of his ascent at 22. <laughs> 22 years so old. So <laughs> you have that staggered. And then behind that, you have Dyson Daniels, the eighth pick in this year's draft, who could be a very, very good player in this league. Herb Jones, Trey Murphy. So you've got three guys behind you that can also be core pieces going forward. So ego to these guys, I think, is not the problem now. Okay. You talk about another year when guys start experiencing real success and those touches become a little bit tighter. Yeah, there absolutely can be such a problem as too much depth. There can be too many guys who want minutes. But this year, because so many of these guys are still in the situation where they've just tasted some NBA, I think that uh, the esprit de corps amongst the Pelicans, you're not like this. is This is like, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies last year. You know, people talked about Memphis last year and how you know they were. And the Pelicans were a lot like that at the end of the season. And Willie Green's a big part of that, too. And, and coaches like Teresa Witherspoon, who got the trust of Zion Williamson and brought him back into the fold, were quite legitimately. Uh, there was, you know, concern within the organization at the end of the season whether or not Zion would be back. Yeah. So when you've got people that can embrace them that way as well and, and feed that basketball part, but also who they are as people, um, I think you have, yeah, a really good energy in that building. Now, energy don't win basketball games. <laughs> um, and we've seen plenty of teams that get along that don't win nothing. Uh, but uh, at least it's, it's good to see that these guys want to compete together on the floor. Now, who's a player? You've mentioned a lot of players on that New Orleans Pelicans team. Who's a player that NBA fans and Pelican fans should watch for on that team? You've mentioned Herb Jones. You've mentioned mm -hmm. Grant Def Alvarado. You know you've mentioned you mentioned uh, Murphy. Who is someone else that you know? Someone they may not talk about as much that will make an impact on that team. I think the the other sneaky guy is is Larry Nance. Larry Nance Jr. Ooh, look at that. Because <laughs> the, the Pelicans flyer. only got like seven games out of Larry Nance 
before the playoffs. And, and then he was a big factor against the Suns. Uh, he was second on the team in, in average plus minus during that series. Um, he At 6'7", he gives you great rebounding. He's an uh, outstanding passer from the high post. He can knock down a three. So, like, again, I'm almost of the mindset that, I mean, the, the, the Pelicans bench unit is so interesting and flexible to me. Mm-hmm. And Nance at 6'7", can play some small ball center, can even play some big uh, small forward for you, depending on the lineup. And he's a you know good rim, prote- good rim protector for his size, but he's also just a disruptive player. And you've seen when he was in Cleveland, the defense turned around with him. It started with him. Then they add Jared Allen and all those other pieces, and they were able to move him on. But with their turnaround started with him defensively. And you go back even to when he was with the Lakers, the defensive splits on off with him on the floor were always significantly better. And I think to have him as a veteran at 28 now with those other young guys veteran around 28, <laughs> I mean, this is the NBA oh, we're man. playing with you comparatively. Know? <laughs> yeah. This is the NBA we live with now. So, I mean, he's in his what, eighth, ninth season. And so at 28 and, uh, but I think he he provides that veteran, uh, you know, role because most of the top guys in that bench rotation are really young. All right, final question for you. Best question. Uh, best question <laughs> because it's a it's hot take time, bold take time. If okay. you're looking at this team for this season, it really just could be anything: a, a player trade, it could be a player winning an award, statistics, how far they go, whatever it is. What is a, a bold prediction that you have for this New Orleans Pelicans team? Brandon Ingram makes the all NBA team. Zion Williamson doesn't. Oh, okay. Interesting. Now, which one are we talking when we talk all NBA? First team, we talking second team. I say be, I mean, look, small forward is ridiculous. There's Kevin Durant, there's LeBron James. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I so I'm thinking BI makes third team. Okay. Because you know, look, this this is the year for me that I think BI breaks through. He last year he earned the respect of this league. This year, this is how the NBA works. You know, you have to earn it, and then you take that step forward. I think both Zion and, and B.I. can be all-stars this year. I think Zion probably gets voted in as one because he's Zion Williamson. If he's playing well, Zion gets voted in because kids love Zion. But B.I., I think, is the leader of this team. He is the centerpiece of this team, even though Zion is the more talented player. You go look at the big mural in the Pelicans practice facility, front and center is Brandon Ingram's picture. Zion is to the right of Brandon. So to me, this is Brandon's team. He earned it. He proved it. He is the most dominant personality in that te- in that locker room. Okay. And I think this is the year that he figures out and adds that defensive dimension. And it's going to be hard to deny a guy who's putting up 25, 7, and 7. And I think those are the numbers Brandon Ingram is fully capable of putting up this year while shooting 48% from the field and 40% from three. Oh, you're giving him that confident. You're giving him that much of a shooting percentage, 48 and 40, not he was almost four and look, look, the first two years he was with the Pelicans, he was almost a 50, 40, 90. Okay. He okay. was a 50, he yeah. was a 50, he was like 48, 40. Uh, I think he was 48, 40, 85 his first two years. Last year, his three point percentage went down. But remember, he had a lot of little nagging injuries that went on through the year. He missed some chunks of, of these of the season. But when he came back down the stretch, that three point shot came back. So I think B.I. can get back to that 40% shot. And think about how many more open looks this year he's going to get compared to last year, now having C.J. McCollum for a full season and having Zion Williamson. 
for 60 games, hopefully. 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 <laughs> or 70 I'm games. Plus, you know, like, let me get rabbits. I got, you know, whatever else I can find. Is that horseshoe <laughs> going? You know, if I got to go back down to the quarter and put a root on, on something, you know, get a voodoo queen or whatever we got to do. <laughs> if I got to bury a wet sack in the swamp to get Zion a seven game, Anything. 70 Anything. games, I just want to see what this team looks like if they're all together for 70 plus games. That's all I really want to see. David, you were great, man. Pelican Scoop, he's got it all. We're a man of many hats. Tell the people where they can find your work, sir. Yeah, of course. Um, you can follow me on social media at DM Grub, and uh, I'm on Pelican Scoop uh, for, for Sports Illustrated, as well as MLBBro.com, The Bird Calls Podcast, Hard to Paint, my podcast. Yeah, and also, <laughs> And also Believe in Saints. And if you like Tulane basketball, I'll be doing a um, color commentary for the Green Wave as well. So oh, that's awesome. ESPN yeah, Plus. So check all those out. I'm somewhere talking basketball just about every day. Nice, nice. Well, thank you, David. We appreciate you coming on the Points in the Pain podcast, and we will be having you back. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I'd be glad to come back anytime, fellas.